Denver singer-songwriter Barry Osborne plays post-punk old-time banjo. According to Marquee Magazine, Barry takes the old-time clawhammer sound and blends it with his influences of early 1980s college rock. In 2018, he released his debut EP, Back of the Title Page, and in 2019, he was nominated for a Westward Music Award in the Folk Bluegrass category. He has since joined forces with fiddle player Olivia Shaw of Avonheart, vocalist, multi-instrumentalist Nikki Tradenik of the Dollhouse Thieves, and guitarist Yoni Fine to form the band Distance Walk, who have just released their self-titled debut EP. Whether solo or with a band, Barry leans into his clawhammer banjo playing to deliver humor and hard truths, often in the same song. I'm gonna get me a harmony banjo set out at the howling hour. Welcome to the Raw Songwriting Podcast, where I challenge my guests to write a brand new song in one week based on a prompt, and then talk about the process. Along the way, we talk about the broader craft of songwriting. I'm David Coyle, and it's my pleasure to introduce Barry Osborne. Welcome to the show, Barry. Hi, David. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh my God, it's so great to have you. So you got this new uh, album out, and it's with a, a group that you've been working with here for the last couple <laughs> years. And But before that, you were doing solo stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm curious, what, what has been your experience? What's the difference between uh, writing solo and with a band? Um, that's a great question. So what's funny is I've played music off and on uh, from college and then really took a long break and then got back to it in my 30s. And in my late 30s, I'm 45 now, I decided um, to, to just do the solo thing because bands are a lot of work and sometimes you don't, you know, it's, it's hard to come across the right chemistry and whatnot. And I found uh, being a solo performer to be really liberating because if you want to do something, you can do it. And if you want to follow, um, you know, a certain thread uh, in your songwriting style, uh, you know, you only have to consult yourself and that's, that's really great. You know, I really love, um, college rock, post-punk, punk rocks, a lot of verse, chorus, verse, chorus stuff. That's just kind of what I grew up on. And, um, but then after a while, you start thinking, oh, you know, this would sound great with a fiddle, or this would sound great with some harmonies. I had a one-off show at Swallow Hill Music here in Denver, and I knew it was going to be two sets, and I didn't want to do two 45-minute sets completely solo. So I started to put a band together and I really thought it was going to be a one-off kind of show and, you know, it'd be fun. And as we worked on those sets, we had a blast and uh, we decided we had great chemistry. We're all friends. We all got along. So we, we keep it going. And so when I started writing my next batch of songs this last spring, it dovetailed with all the COVID closures um, mm. in 2020. Um, I realized that when you're writing for a band, at least I found I could let the songs breathe a little bit. Um, I work with some incredibly talented uh, instrumentalists. So I was able to add maybe an extra bridge here or there or lengthen a turnaround. And, and it, what was great was I didn't have to come up with a solo or I didn't have to go up the neck. I was like, oh, my, my friends are gonna have my back on this. And so what I found was um, 
know, I can still write kind of amped up, kind of punchy tunes, uh, but but I found that writing with a band in mind allowed me to exhale a little bit and give the songs breathing room. And that was a really fun discovery because I didn't anticipate that. Let's take an example then. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you brought in a couple songs here, both mm -hmm. off of the, the new album, Distance Walk, uh, written and, and uh, produced with, with this band. So the first single off of that is Come a Little Bug. Mm -hmm. This song is Come a Little Bug by the band Distance Walk off of the EP Distance Walk. You got it. Self-titled. All, right. <laughs> All right, here we go. That was Come a Little Bug, written by Barry Osborne and uh, performed by the band Distance Walk off of their debut EP, Distance Walk. 
this is I, I love the energy of this the song. I mean, it's just it 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 hammers it home. And and I also like the the fact that the uh, the lyrics are 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 just so kind of they're simple and primal and direct, and mm-hmm. they're also a little bit obscure. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I I don't think you know so many lyrics like clarity is something that that a lot of people are re- really worry about is like you know mm-hmm. is that clear? And this is one where it takes advantage of. Not necessarily being clear. I mean, I get a. I mean, the interpretation I get is is that it's something about uh, kind of workers being like insects and 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 sort of talking about that daily grind. But but I but I but that's I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could go with it uh, and interpretation of it, and I I appreciate that it's not completely just spelled out for you. So so do you want to tell us a little bit about you know how you wrote this and and sure. and what what it means to you and uh, totally. Yeah. Uh, well, I love um, I love that you you vibe with the obscurity of it. I um, so I I really love old time folk music, and um, in my early twenties, I was introduced to the Harry Smith anthology, um, mm. the um, the Folkways anthology of American folk music, and. And there's songs on that, like the cuckoo bird, or I wish I was a mole in the ground, where the the lyrics almost come off as as something from like a nursery rhyme. Sure. But but when you listen to the way they're singing it, and there's kind of a darker edge to it, you know, mole in the ground. You know, he's saying, I I wish I was a mole in the ground. If I was a mole in the ground, I'd root that mountain down. And you know, there's some kind of hunger or pain going on there. And so with the song like come a little bug um i wrote i wrote this in started writing it in late march uh last year right after everything shut down from covid and i think um i was trying to get my head around to be literal about this little bug pulling down society but uh everything was in such a flux you couldn't draw conclusions Mm. about it Okay. And so there's also just a weird manic energy to those times. So I I just started riffing on this little banjo lick and I I it, you know it's it's got kind of a weird manic energy and and it was just kind of like bring it on, you know, and uh let and so this is me maybe kind of puzzling through those times um and i don't think we have any um any conclusions yet but then also to speak what you were talking about i wanted it to maybe not be so uh clear that you know hopefully life is better five years from now but i can Mm -hmm. still play this song and people still well that's yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's the uh yeah, yeah, I know. I like if I ever try to write a uh, holiday song, I I always like think I want to be able to play this when it's not the holiday, you know. Um, totally, you know. So that's but yeah, or any type of theme song really. It's like totally. you want to make it both. You know, so that's it. So the bug is is COVID is at least originally when you were that, thinking is that that's where I I had this weird moment where I was sitting in my front yard playing my banjo and we have a feral cat and and it this is how awesome life can be. This feral cat will sit on my lap while I'm songwriting. And there was this moment where she jumped off my lap, darted across the yard and chowed down on a bug. And in that weird moment, I, I like flipped the scenario of 
the tables being turned mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and it went from the prey being the predator or what on the surface seems like the thing that has the advantage actually doesn't and that's kind of the the space i was sitting in very cool very cool <laughs> um uh, you know i want to i want to talk a little bit more about uh the nursery rhymes that you brought mm-hmm. up because mm-hmm. I, you know, I think about like, at least like the early part of the 20th century, I think nursery rhymes were like a really big source of, of pop song material. And there was a lot of, I, you know, I, the first thing that comes to mind is Bo Diddley, where a lot of his songs started as just nursery rhyme, mm-hmm. uh, nursery rhymes or, or, or schoolyard taunts, which were, but, but kind of, kind of childish uh, or childhood sort of forms of language and uh, it's just interesting how compelling that that still can be uh that i you know i think we we there's a lot of focus on like really sophisticated language but but there mm-hmm. is something that's just really really compelling about you know kind of throwing in a very very basic metaphor and just and just and just and doing it in a very simple and straightforward way and just just bringing that in so i appreciate that about this song and I think what is kind of fun about that is, you know, you you think back over nursery rhymes, like I, I can't remember the full dissection of it, but, you know, things like, um, you know, uh, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, mm-hmm. we all fall down like that. You know, you kids still sing that on playgrounds, but it goes back to like plague in england yeah and, you know a lot and, of nursery rhymes are dark yeah they're not exactly. they're not happy yeah in fact a lot of children's stories <laughs> from pretty from brutal old, <laughs> old days are, are are really pretty harsh and, and they've gotten a lot uh nicer i think but though there's still a lot of danger in at least totally. uh, you know I, I don't have any kids so i it's hard for me to to know for sure i haven't i haven't perused the literature that closely but but it seems to me that there's from the adaptations that they make, there's still a lot of danger that goes on in children's literature. So, and yeah, so it it was fun to take this song and wherever my head was at, I I, I wanted a tune I could just kind of wail on my banjo with, and, yeah. and so it just kind of turned into I've been calling it a pre-apocalyptic fiddle tune, and that kind of seems to fit, you know. <laughs> well, when that when you the, the description of your music being um, kind of post-punk clawhammer style, but I mean that the post-punk, I mean you definitely feel the punk influence in mm-hmm. this song. Is it's just got that just got that energy, and uh, I, I love it. I love it. It's a great it's a great fun song, and it's and this is this is this is currently available as a single, right? This one, yeah, was our first single, and it's out on streaming services. So if you search us on on Spotify and and uh, YouTube, and um, it, you should be able to find it hopefully pretty All right. easily. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we have another uh, song from from that out al- that same album, mm-hmm. Distance Walk. Uh, this one's called Time Like Twine, mm-hmm. written by Barry Osborne and performed by Distance Walk off of their debut EP, Distance Walk. Harmony banjo and set out 
at the howling hour sit neath the leaves of a red maple tree play peekaboo with the stars with the stars the effervescent stars Maybe once there was not, so it is again. Hard times call upon us all. We don't know how it ends. If I could twist time like twine, twixt my more. That was Time Like Twine, written by Barry Osborne and performed by Distance Walk off of their self-titled EP. And uh, so this one, this one, it was very clear to me. I mean, the 
it integrated the band really well. I mean, there's a lot of space mm -hmm. for it, like you were talking about before. Mm -hmm. So could you talk to us a little bit about how how you you know how you wrote this to to i mean how much that impacted the fact that you're writing it for the band in this case is is that the case was this written for the band absolutely um this was a tune that um if it was me solo it would probably have like one instrumental break and it it probably wouldn't have the instrumental chorus between the first and second verses like it would just it would just be a lot um more truncated and that's maybe how i would write if i was just going on my own and at this point you know i i wrote four of the five songs on on the distance walk ep that just came out um were written between late march and june 1st last spring and and by this point in the songwriting process i knew i wanted to enlist the band and and so I was kind of challenging myself to be like, it doesn't have to be so get in and get mm. out and, uh, and that. <laughs> sure. And so, and, and that was, um, that was something I had to like learn, uh, a, to trust myself, uh, musically. I, um, I'm very comfortable with lyrics and maybe a little less comfortable with my music. So I had to be like, you can write this and you're going to give them a platform and they're going to be able to carry it forward for you and with you. And so that was kind of a fun challenge and maybe um, moment of actualization as a songwriter, um, trusting them and they, I think they nailed it. <laughs> well, it's it's nice when you have kind of a a, a band that you you know you're going to have. I mean, you're you're, mm -hmm. you're kind of committed to each other. Because uh, I know I've I've run into issues with that with because I because I write all my songs assuming that I'll be playing them mostly solo. But mm -hmm. I mean, I, I've ha I've had at various times different folks that I've played with, and it can be tricky because a lot of them aren't written really even with any type of solo in mind i mean right. uh, you know a, a, maybe maybe something but it's not written with that kind of expansion uh in mind and and that can add complication because well that means you have to get together with them and come up with new arrangements to make it work right. and and they're that involves you know usually you know maybe altering the song in some way yeah and so but this was written for the band and 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 i wonder though does you know, a lot of times you make alterations when you go into the studio as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you brought this to the studio, did you find that because you had taken the band in consideration that you really didn't have to do very many alterations or, or did you do any alterations in the studio? It was the, the structure of the song did not change. What was interesting was because of the time this happened, we weren't able to physically practice together. So mm. I, I didn't know, would it translate where we went into uh, the Mousetrap studio in Denver? Um, I went in with each band member one at a time. So it was me, Brian, the producer and engineer, and then whoever I was playing with that day. And what, um, what I'm super fortunate with this band is um, everybody is a very talented improviser. And then the way I've 
I work with these folks is, you know, we obviously talk things through and we, you know, try to, you know, get on the same page, but I like to kind of hand them the keys and see what they come up with. Uh-huh. And, and so that was a lot of fun where, um, you know, I kind of let them, you know, we talk it through and they would play some reps and, you know, maybe some things were tweaked, but for the most part, they crafted their parts and brought them in. And the one thing that we had to kind of do on the fly was because we don't have a bass player, which I'm fine with. Um, there were some moments in this song where I was like, this song might be too ethereal or too floaty. Mm. And so Yoni and I, Yoni played the guitar parts, but Yoni and I on the fly kind of came up with some ideas for bass runs on on his acoustic guitar to kind of like ground it. And okay. And that was done really on the fly. And and I think it was a smart call. It rounds out the sound and and he's he was fantastic. I would kind of be like, well, what if we did this? And he'd be like, you mean this? And he's everybody in my band except me, <laughs> you know, when I throw out like, hey, can you do this? They're like, you mean this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like and that was a great example of um, the of of Yoni um, just filling in the gap that was still kind of there. That's fantastic. That's yeah. Well, so so well. Let, let let's step back though to the, the to the part that you you know when you I mean the lyrics and whatnot that you were thinking of when you were just uh, I mean the rest of the song. Um, uh the the less collaborative part what mm-hmm. what went into the what went into that how did you come up with this this song and the topic and the harmony guitar the harmony banjo yeah i love that <laughs> so um so this song is maybe on the ep the most literal one about the covid times and i live in denver and i live in a neighborhood where i'm very fortunate that we're we're surrounded almost on all sides by by these parkways and so very early on I'm, I'm kind of a tightly wound anxious person and I knew if we were going to be stuck in the house I was going to have to physically get out so yeah. every day almost every day for the last year I've been going for this walk um, and that's actually where distance walk kind of oh, comes from okay and I would just do these 90 minute walks and um a lot of times i was doing it at dusk so um and a few times i i've taken my banjo out on these walks and i've sat under a tree um i haven't done it a ton but um and you know it you know without giving too much away but like um early on in covid in denver at eight o'clock um people would go outside and they would howl Oh, you're right. And, so they were doing out, that out here in Longmont as well. So gotcha. Yeah, I, and that's that's what the howling hour is. Of course, yeah. that's what it is. I, you know, it didn't and, connect with me, but that okay. And at that time of year, I was, you know, you'd work, you'd do family time, you'd do your stuff around the house, and it was kind of like seven forty-five ish is when I would head out on these walks. So, um, so I have these very strong memories of of these greenways and denver and um and then the howling which i i thought was just really kind of wonderful and i know people got sick of it and people aren't doing it anymore but like in those early days it kind of gave these really messed up times a little bit of 
a magical quality, you know, like we, we were agreeing to say, Hey, we're here, you know? Well, there um, was a, there was a period there where it was a hard shutdown. Right. And, and then it loosened yeah. up. And I think that's when the how kind of loosened up is my recollection. I think and you're even, right. Even though things have kind of shut down again, uh, it didn't resume for some reason. And, and that's a shame. It kind of um, petered out. Yeah. yeah. This third verse uh, where I talk about, I'm going to borrow the green automobile. Um, I love I, this verse, by the way. I just love how specific you. and, de you know, uh, I'm going to borrow the green automobile. <laughs> I'm sure Alan and Neil wouldn't mind the ones. That's just that's just great. I love that detail. <laughs> and um, so I want this song to be very Colorado and very Denver. And um, um, there's this awesome poem by Allen Ginsberg called, I think it's called In the Green Automobile. Oh. And and so in the late 40s, Allen Ginsberg and Jack Kerouac lived in Denver because uh, they, they followed Neil Cassidy to Denver and they were like, this is the like actualized Western man. And we're, and, um, and they lived in Denver and, and had some adventures and and several years later, Allen Ginsberg is back in New York and he writes this poem and, and he's daydreaming, missing his friend, missing, missing Denver. And he, he creates this metaphysical green automobile that's gonna race him to his friend. I, I believe he's talking specifically about Neil. Um, and and so I have a a dear friend here in Denver, uh, my friend Sam. And Sam is a bit older than me. He's a banjo player. We've played music together. Um, and I call Sam my Denver dad. And uh, we've kept in touch. But I haven't seen him in over a year. He's in a high risk group. And and so you know this verse is about missing your loved ones. And and specifically that this is kind of my daydream of driving cross town in this you know metaphysical automobile yeah yeah my, yeah my friend sam so but yeah <laughs> well you don't uh now i know uh from what well, we we, we co-wrote a song last uh mm -hmm. about a year ago a little over a year yeah. ago and i know that that you introduced a literary allusion into that one as well and so you're 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 one who definitely doesn't shy away from literary illusions and i how do you want to talk a little bit about how you sure. use that and how do you you feel like it should be used in a song no i think i've done that for a while but several years ago i um discovered this wonderful australian songwriter named paul kelly and um and paul kelly is kind of um at the point of his career where he's kind of in Australia, like national treasure status. A lot of people compare him to Bruce Springsteen mm. and musically, not so much, but maybe the, the cultural space he holds um, mm -hmm. for Australians. And he has this great book called um, How to Make Gravy, where he has a short chapter on 100 songs that he's written. It's a, it's a great songwriting book like he just talks things through and and Paul Kelly really reminded me um you know he says in this book when he's stuck he goes to Shakespeare or the Bible huh he's like he's like <laughs> he's like nobody did it better if you're chewing on something just they've already covered it 
to pull it in. And um, I, I would say my favorite, uh, my favorite poets and whatnot are maybe, you know, Paul Kelly is a national treasure because he draws from, <laughs> you know, my, my things are maybe a little more obscure, but I think it's a great way to uh, insert yourself into a conversation other people are having if you obviously do it in the right way. Um, you know, that that line about great artists steal, you know, I, I uh -huh. don't want to steal, but, um, but yeah, I was looking around for this third verse and I knew I wanted to write about missing people and how do you visit people when you can't? Well, you daydream it and, and Allen Ginsberg all of a sudden was on my shoulder at that moment when, uh -huh, I, uh -huh. when I needed him, you know? So, so that felt, um, that felt like a great way to draw in, um, somebody else's work. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've got a few folks that I turn to Lorene Niedeker, who's not a super well-known poet, but is awesome. And then, um, and then James Joyce and, and Yates, uh, William Butler Yeats always uh -huh. kind of show up for me. If if I don't know what to do, um, I sometimes will read one of them before I go to bed, and then the next morning something's kind of come out. <laughs> well, there's uh, it strikes me that that literary illusions um, or just taking excerpts or they work on several levels. One one is mm -hmm. that you know it's great inspiration. You know it'll mm -hmm. just uh, you know it may get you thinking in a way that you weren't you know, already thinking, like you said, uh, you know, if you're stuck, then it, it may snap you out of that. Um, but it, it's also from a listener's perspective, you know, it also snap you to attention, because it's, it's sometimes, you know, it, it does kind of change the the aesthetic a little bit, um, yep. maybe, perhaps. And, um, and especially if you actually know the reference, you're right. automatically, you know, snapping to attention. It's kind of a, a secret hook for those those who are, who are in the know and it's kind of a subconscious hook for those who aren't i love that too because um you know some people um or i should put it this way some songs you need it to be understandable like i always mm -hmm. think of like how does a song like tom petty's wildflowers become basically a folk song overnight he wrote a beautiful song that anybody can understand right like mm -hmm. But then there's those other fun songs that there might be this weird reference and it might just go over most people's heads. But for those people who stop and they're like, what is he talking about? You might go to a book or you might mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Google it, you know, these days. And, and then you start to be like, oh, there's a little more to that than maybe was on the surface. And I love that. I, I love that too. I think um, I, I've talked to some songwriters who worry about like their lyrics being too dense and that, and that mm -hmm. folks, it, 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 you know, some folks just won't listen if it's, if it's that mm -hmm. challenging, but, I, but I love that. I, I mean, I guess I was always one of those people that I, I love to sit down and read the lyrics while I was listening to the song. Mm -hmm. And, and so maybe if they're mumbling it or something like that, or if they're, or if they say something that seems strange, but I can see what they're doing. And then, yeah, you know, I can go look it up. If it's a strange word that I don't know, I can look mm -hmm. it up in the dictionary. If it's an expression I'm not familiar with, I can check it out. Yeah. I mean, Google, you know, makes it a lot easier than it used to be, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. And um, it's something I want to talk definitely about in the next song that sure. we get to, because you've uh, the challenge song that you did, because you did a little bit of that in there. <laughs> um, okay. But, but right now we're going to take a break. 
and and uh when we come back we'll we'll talk about that challenge song and the prompts and uh yeah so barry osborne thanks for being here and we'll be back in just a few welcome back to the raw songwriting podcast uh, i am your host david coyle i'm talking to singing songwriting banjo playing barry osborne from denver and uh, he's also of the the band distance walk uh which has re uh, released a new album uh self-titled ep called distance walk and uh we just got done listening to a couple songs off that album but now now we are to the challenge segment because i had uh previously sent out some prompts to barry about a week ago and asked him to choose one of the prompts and then we would both write from the same prompt i mean each our own song but we would take the prompt and we'd go in whatever direction we wanted to uh so uh, let me tell you what prompts we had uh the random word that i chose was i'm not sure if it's reticulous or reticulous uh but it's an adjective meaning forming a network characterized by a reticulated structure a reticulated rhizopod is one in which the pseudo pseudopodia pseudopodia i i i'm not going to pronounce it right blend together and form irregular meshes okay that is the random word the random question was What's something that you recently learned that everyone else already knew? The random quote was, discretion is not the better part of biography, which is from Lytton Strachey. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that too, but uh, he or she was alive from 1880 to 1932. And then uh, I also included the fearless prompt from TimmyR.com, uh, Timmy Reardon's uh, fearless songwriting prompt. Uh, this was, uh, the middle of a lake and it, it, that includes a picture of a, uh, is that a swan, a goose or a pelican? Would you say that is? Yeah, maybe a pelican. A pelican yeah. with a fox and maybe, oh, two foxes on its back in the middle of a lake. Okay. So, so Barry, what, how did you decide which prompt you wanted to go with? So I looked through this list and uh, several of them I toyed with, but I picked reticulous and it was a word I didn't know. And it was a word that I have to admit, even when I read the definition, I, it didn't completely <laughs> click, <laughs> but I, I picked up on two words in the definition, um, which were, uh, network and irregular and i i was like yes irregular networks i i can probably do something with that <laughs> all right and uh and you did you did you came up with a song here which is uh, let me pull up the lyrics for it but it's called faces are falling so so let's take a take a little listen to that and then hear all about how you wrote it so this is faces are falling by barry osborne stepped on the pavement followed the cracks a crooked road of spy on a paperback when I flip through the pages I don't see your name you hang out like a shadow on the edge of the stage
dropping The cassette's tightly wound Mercury's rising Summer college town People like spirits Emerge from the heat Corporation t-shirts And cut off jeans Oh, faces are falling Into forgotten names Maps and legends Cannot trace Something is calling Pulling you away Pulling you challenge song this week faces are falling off of the prompt reticulos and i i have to tell you i have a total crush on this song i just (laughs) absolutely loved it as soon as i heard it and and it was i i love almost everything about it i i um but the just the 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 chord progression and the banjo part alone 
totally uh totally sucked me in and uh, even that 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 banjo riff you got oh my god that is such a great hook <laughs> and you. um and and just the the nostalgia and the longing that's coming just musically from it is is amazing to me uh the imagery is crazy you just have so much <laughs> so much of the imagery in here just just sparked so much in my brain and and some of the um like a crooked road of spine on a paperback you know, oh and also um this was a big thing that stood out to me was you, you start off with and followed the cracks of that uh, crooked road of spine on a paperback and then and then i love when you come back to the cracks in the ceiling and then you talk about imagine you know was it just you know uh where is it here um just uh just my imagination where is that yeah uh in the third oh it's down yeah. here down yeah. here okay yeah but yeah um you start to wonder if i imagined it all and it's like such a great callback and and it is it's like you're looking at these cracks in this context versus the cracks from the other context and then it brings them together and um and then we were talking about some of the you know some of the juxtapositions that are thrown in here that kind of just you know, take you in different ways. And like, you know, what is, you know, what does that mean? But, but you get, oh, I just, I don't know. It's such <laughs> an evocative you. song for me. So, so talk to me, man, tell me, how, how did you sure. put this together? So, um, I started thinking I loved, I love that idea of irregular networks, uh, that, that I got from the prompt and what I started thinking about, and, and I'm a, I'm a diehard, Gen Xer. Um, I'm in my dinosaur junior t-shirt and my Kurt Cobain cardigan. And, and so I was just trying to think of, you know, when I was a kid in the late eighties and early nineties, if you wanted to, um, if you wanted to find something that wasn't mainstream and if you were like, a kind of not in the know suburban kid like me, sometimes you had to you had to wander around and look for signs and you would pick up the alt weekly newspaper or you would maybe have to check out a flyer at a record shop and sometimes you know it's like you go fishing to try to find your your people or your scene or whatever and sometimes you struck gold and sometimes you didn't and um so i was thinking you know at that first verse just trying to find your your irregular network you know sometimes you literally had to just go out and um and i was thinking of a few moments in high school and in college uh where kind of allowing yourself to walk into an unknown not necessarily situation but maybe cultural scenario i guess that's a situation and you don't know what you're gonna get and um and I had this, this thread about something that happened in high school and, and I couldn't quite capture it. So that I've, I've parked in my brain and maybe I'll get another song out of this prompt. Uh, but then I started thinking about this time in college when I was 18 and I lived in Madison, Wisconsin. And if you know college towns in summer, those big 10, those big 12 campus towns, in summers, they they clear out, um, at least when I was 18 in 1994, they did. And it's not quite a ghost town, but 
your friends are scattered. And, and so I had this night where, and I remember it pretty clearly, it was a Sunday night and there was this, this loose knit group of folks that I didn't really know. I knew them more by reputation. They would, they would put on these punk shows at, at co-ops and none of my friends were around and I was feeling kind of lonely. And I was like, I'm going to just go to this punk show. And um, it ended up being a fantastic. It was in a part of Madison that I didn't know, um, even though I could walk there. Um, and there's this band, they're kind of legendary now that played the show called Captain Jazz. Um, a lot of their members went on to other what we now know as emo bands. Uh, mm. Captain Jazz was a little more chaotic than that. And like when I was arriving, um, this this young woman uh, who is roughly my age, I think I was about to enter my sophomore year of college and she was about to enter her freshman year. She was driving back home from a cross country road trip and she she knew this irregular network of punk shows and she was like i decided to stop in madison before i head back home and we hung out that night um and we just got along and and i mean some of the lines in the song are really literal we watched the show had fun talked exchanged addresses she took off never talked to her again like what and it wasn't even a kind of uh it wasn't even like a romantic thing. It was like a kindred spirit thing. And like, it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, what in a weird way, it, it was just kind of a perfect night that you couldn't plan for. Mm. Um, and, um, and then I think, so that's one of the irregular networks, but then the other irregular network is your own memory. And, and that's where the like faces are falling and the mm. forgotten names is. Um, I remember the band. I remember the band that headlined. I think I remember some of the local bands that opened. I think I remember some of the people that were there. I even think I remember the name of the woman I hung out with, but like it all, it all literally kind of falls away, you mm. know, it, and what's left is you have this story that you've told yourself again and again of a great night. And, you know, if you could go back to 1994 and revisit it, like, was it even that great? Yeah. <laughs> or was yeah. it great in retrospect? Like, you know, I think it was pretty, pretty cool, you know, that I remembered it. But um, so I, yeah, so that, that idea of irregular networks was really potent for me. <laughs> I mean, the, you know, just talking about the college town thing, the needle is dropping, the cassette timely wound, Mercury's rising, summer college town, people <laughs> like spirits emerge from the heat, corporation t-shirts and cutoff jeans. It's just so, I don't know, that takes me back. It takes me back. Uh, out of the driftless. What a great line. Thank you. So, so what what does that, I mean, I, my my thought on that, and there may be a reference there that I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not familiar with, but, but my thought on that was like, okay, there's, um, there are drifters, there are people that do drift, and then there are people that don't drift. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, sometimes people, you know, the, the, the people that, that, 
that are pretty steady and stable. Sometimes out of that, you you get you know you get somebody who's kind of exploring into the drifter world. Mm-hmm. Um, that that would be my take on that. But what what, what is that? I mean, and I, you don't don't divulge all your secrets or no. whatever. But what no. what what was that <laughs> intended to mean? So that is, um, I love that word driftless for a few reasons. One is I think what you just described, it totally works that way. And then there's also this um, beautiful area in Southwestern Wisconsin that was not carved out by glaciers. And so it's known as the driftless area. Oh, and, and it's a, if you've never been, Wisconsin is a beautiful state. Um, it is. And, that, and that part of the state is really gorgeous. And if if my like just mental math is correct, um, the, uh, the friend I made that night, she was driving west or she was driving east. And I can't remember where she was coming from, but I remember she said, if she had just been going straight home, she would have gone through Chicago, but she decided to cut up into Wisconsin and to get to Madison from the way I think she took, she would have literally driven through the driftless area. So that's a great word where it works literally, but also figuratively. That, that is, yeah, (laughs) that's a, yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, I, you know, I, I think we've talked about it on the show before, but the idea that people are meaning machines, that mm-hmm. they they hear things, it's kind of a Rorschach test, and and they 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 impose meaning on things, even if they even if there was a different meaning that was intended, right? Um, but I but now you know now that I understand the road trip aspect of this a little bit better, uh, the maps and legends part mm-hmm. uh, that 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 there's a double meaning going on there when they're used there, and oh yeah, I just man. <laughs> This is I'm glad you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well now we now we go to the part here where I, I always ask uh, my guests to do a to do a self critique. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, do you feel like this is a finished song, um, or is it something that you want to revisit? And if so, what are what would be the angle that you would approach this at? What are the things that you look at when you're kind of revising something or looking to revise something? So what I looked at with this song. And you know what's so fascinating is when deadlines are great motivators, right? Um, I had, um, I didn't have several other completed verses, but I had maybe like several other half verses where um, Hmm. I think some things were either too vague or got too literal. And and I kind of ended, you know, I think the deadline really work to this song's favor. I don't know that normally I would write a song or write a line like corporation t-shirts and cut off jeans. Um, But I was trying to put the scene in my head and it's like, what were we all wearing? And, and I think the line's great. I think it's the kind of line that um, if I had more time to work on, I probably would have cut it out with something that probably would not have been as good. Um, and then I think um, I'm glad you like that little that little run I do. Um, I think that's definitely something I don't know. Um, I would love to perform this song someday. I definitely plan on it. Um, I don't know if I'd do it with the band or if I would do it solo, but I think I would like to tease out that that riff a little bit. Um, to, to maybe make it 
I don't think I need a, a bridge with lyrics, but I think I could tease that out a little further to maybe shift the mood um, mm-hmm. into the last verse. Um, and then, um, you know, songs are funny because some you can just pick at and it's it never feels done. And And I think this one feels done to me. And does that mean it's like perfect or does that mean I wouldn't do it differently a different way? No, but like, I kind of feel like this is like a story that I've internalized that I've wanted to tell for a while. And I Mm. feel like it's encapsulated in this. Um, What I'll be super curious about is if I, um, if I do perform it and if I add instrumentation, I think I could go two ways. I I think one way is a little more, um, you know, college rock, straightforward, um, you know, and, and that's maybe the way it was in my head. Um, I shared this with one other friend, um, um, my friend Nikki, who's in Distance Walk with me. We, we swap tunes a lot. And when I played it for her, she texted back. She was like, oh, I could hear this with like, with like strings and a cello and 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 I thought that was kind of neat like okay you could really take it in that way um and so that would maybe be more the decision point is um you know and the same song can exist in multiple oh yeah formats but like but it's like what what would I do with it if I had like a sh- one shot to really yeah flesh out, mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. you mentioned that you had a bunch of half written written mm-hmm. verses or or mm-hmm. or just uh stanzas or whatever that you didn't use so that makes me wonder are 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 you somebody that tends to overwrite do you do you have a lot of extra stuff typically with your songs that you kind of reject or you just like you know is it is it usually like you know twice the length and you just sort of call out this your favorite parts or or how how does it normally work I would say a lot of times, I think because I was working on, for me, a tight deadline, I was maybe writing more than I normally would. And then it was like, what do you have? And then chisel it away. Uh, But what I would say is a lot of times I'll get a verse and then instead of like throwing out a whole verse, I'll pick apart a word or I'll flip the tense or Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll take the second half of the verse and put it at the top and reorder it. Um, so I would, I would say, um, you know, normally when I write a song, um, I, I try to write just about every day, even if it's even some days it's 15 minutes, some days it's an hour. Sure. and it, a song that most songs take me about six weeks, like that. I don't know why, but like that's kind of. So when I'm moving at that pace, I probably don't feel the need to write as much to condense, but I definitely do more scrutinization of like line by line. That's so, that's that's interesting. Yeah. I yeah. like that in some ways you're actually doing more work when you have a tight deadline mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. I mean it's I mean it's really the you know it's a lot of work to to kind of self edit as you go. Um 
but I know, for instance, I absolutely do not overwrite the lyrics. <laughs> like I don't, I don't, I, I, you know, occasionally I'll write like almost a whole song that I think is trash and I'll just discard it and write a different song. If I'm right. on a deadline <laughs> that happens occasionally. And that is painful. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> but for the most part, it's just like, it's a struggle. Like, uh, uh, well, when it's on a deadline like this and I see it as a first draft, you know, it's, um, you know, I just want to get the first cogent, uh, thing that comes to mind totally. and, um, but man, it, it really worked with this one. It really, really yeah. worked with this song. I, I, I really admire what you did with it. And, uh, and if you, and I, and I'll be interested to see how you, what, what is that arrangement that you come up with? Cause yeah, no, I'll keep you posted for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, all right. Well, uh, I, I wrote a song as well, as is customary, uh, to the same to the same prompt. I, I didn't go too much with retic ridiculous. I, I I I pretty much focused on the net aspect, and I pretty much just threw in a web uh, analogy, and that was it. And I was done, and I didn't use that metaphor again. But well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, but anyway, I'll talk about it a little bit here after I play it here. All right, this is. No One to Blame by yours truly, David Coyle. And this is my challenge song for the week, uh, written to the prompt, Reticulous. Well, I'd forget it, but it's stuck in my head Like a fly that can't escape from a web Like a needle that still hangs by by a thread I'd like to move on but I stop in my tracks Like a brand new car that still has a flat Like an itinerary without without a map well, Hold on man Just take a minute It's only a pain But I got limits all the feels like defeat a wiser man would know it's time to time to retreat hold on man just take a minute it's only pain but i got limits No one to blame There's no one to blame There's no one to blame 
that was No One to Blame by David Coyle. That is uh, your true, yours truly, written to the prompt Reticulos, which was the uh, the prompt for this week. And um, yeah, you know, I'm trying to get out of the habit of just jumping in and telling everything about the song. Was, <laughs> was there was there anything that stood out to you on the song? Yes, several things. I really enjoyed the song. Um, oh, thank you. So I liked. Um, I like in the first verse, especially the uh, how you do the hangs by hangs by a thread. And I, I think that just um, it's one of those things that um, I think when you're a songwriter and something like that presents it to yourself, it's it's like, here, take it and 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 you execute it wonderfully. Like, um, so I really dug that. And then and then you. I love in songs when you repeat things um, and you do that in the other verses, because I think what it can do is even the first time somebody hears a song, it it creates familiarity. So, mm, yeah. so you have this new song, nobody's heard it, it's under three minutes, but by the end, you almost feel like you could just about sing along, if not mm. sing along. Um, and so I like that. And then the other thing is, um, I think there's a really cool vibe to this. Um, I, I love the the use of re reverb. The the whistling is spot on. And um, I got a lot of imagery out of this. And and I don't know why my mind took me here, but like I could picture this being played by like the band in a bar in a David Lynch movie. Oh, like, oh, that's like, oh wow okay i i think there's that's high there's, praise i consider that to be high <laughs> praise okay thank you but there's something um just um timeless like this is the kind of song you could have turned on the radio and heard in 1965 or you could have heard it yesterday and like hmm. and wow. maybe like david lynch plays with those like alternate realities so it's like i think this is that kind of kind of song that could trigger <laughs> very <laughs> so cool i, I really cool. i love that uh, that's a great note um, so maybe pitch it to david lynch there you, know? you go there you go yeah that's oh very very cool um well this is i i gotta say that um i was in a remarkably pissy mood when i wrote this i uh uh and and i did i procrastinated as well you know i just got finished with my song a day january program and uh, so I, I'm extra lazy and extra procrastinative <laughs> with this week-long prompt thing because I'm like, oh, I know I can write it in four hours. Ha, ha, ha. Right. And so, <laughs> and, but the, the trouble with that is that um, I didn't, I, this, this could have been more built around the prompt. Um, I, I did ultimately do it, but I basically was like, I'm really pissy because basically there had been a miscommunication earlier in the day. And I got really upset about it and but it was one of those things where it's like yeah ultimately there's nobody to blame you know I feel slighted but you know it was one of those things where I had I had I had deviated from the norm a couple weeks prior I found out that some people were confused. I thought I had cleared it up the week before, but then, you know, it reemerged the next week <laughs> right. because there was a different person who was confused by it. And it was like, oh my God, this is like, I did this small change and, and it's become like so much different and whatever. And I got, I was just really upset and pouty about the whole thing. And it's one of those things where you're like, 
man, there's nobody to blame for this. Can't I just let it go? Just yeah. let it go. And I couldn't. So I wrote a song. <laughs> and and I, I, uh, I incorporated, uh, uh, you know, an irregular network into it with just the web uh, was pretty much the thing. I thought it was interesting but, that we both came up with map imagery. In, that's in I songs. was going to say that. Yeah. I, um, yeah, that that idea that there should be a, a key or or literally a map mm -hmm. to know how to do this stuff and no sometimes there aren't and sometimes you need to not have the map <laughs> yeah yeah you know? yeah we, we well we both had a car in the song too so yeah it was yeah that that's that, that kind of that's cool uh synchronicity <laughs> i'll admit the most interesting thing about this was not the lyrics because the lyrics to me are like you know, similes, there's something about a simile which feels like it's a dumbed down, I mean, it's a metaphor, but it's basically a metaphor that calls attention to itself. Right. Like, look at me, I'm being poetic. And there's so many metaphors, I mean, not, uh, there's so many similes in here that I, I feel like it's kind of cheap, but... But, it, but that's why it's great for a pop song, right? Because yeah, you're just trying to maybe, grab somebody. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Maybe so. Uh, but it's I think this is this is an example also of, um, you know, there there a lot of talk about like authentic music, right? Mm -hmm. This is a really authentic song for me. It's a really authentic. I mean, I'm, I mean this song. This is but it's very straightforward. It's probably yeah. not as poetic and subtle as a lot of songs. And and I suspect that there are other songs that I've written that that have a lot more subtlety to it and a lot more poetry to it that mean less to me than this song and the listener is probably going to think that the other song is more authentic um and and it's one of those things where i kind of i don't know i i get a, i get a bug in in, in my bonnet sometimes <laughs> about the whole authenticity thing because i think this is a really authentic song to me but i don't i but people may just listen to it and think it's just a pop song because my natural inclination i have to actually fight my pop proclivities sometimes right um but this is definitely uh there is it's kind of a round song it's got these little kind of boppy hooks to it so there was part of me that was just hating the song as i was writing it and and i and and the part that i like the most about it is the groove that i came up with and the, I... and, and, and the production <laughs> i i like the production stuff that i did with it and that's the stuff that really stands out and i it's i don't a have a clear <laughs> objective view on the song yet so it, it's nice to hear that you that you enjoyed it yeah um as a pop song uh it reminded me too of like um you, you know when i was a kid uh when when i was a kid <laughs> all these radio were like two and a half minute songs from the uh -huh. 60s and this has that vibe to it it, it almost reminds me of like a del shannon kind of thing um, oh yeah and, i could see that and I'd so have to like, do some falsetto there you know it's sort it, of yeah like, oh, or it'll be hold on man just take a minute yeah that's, that's right yeah 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 but but so i think the whistling vibe played with that and you know dell would do that weird proto synthesizer yeah 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 yeah, like, yeah i love that or, or i could hear like a surf guitar solo in that like a mm. you know like that noirish kind of oh yeah <laughs> Oh man, I'm gonna have if when yeah. I put this single together, I'm gonna have you produce it. This is that's <laughs> awesome. That is awesome. That is a great direction to go with it. <laughs> oh well, okay. So I guess I got to do a self critique on this. Um, sure, go for it. Let's see. So the the similes are kind of ingrained in it. I don't know. 
that I would, I, I kind of almost feel like it's, it would change the song quite a bit. I There are songs sometimes where I, I'll write the lyrics and I'll feel like it's all way too direct and I will rewrite it and I'll try to come up with some sort of scenario. Part of me doesn't want to do anything with this song because mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy writing it, but, uh, <laughs> but it is something that um, I could see a couple weeks down the road. I might decide that I really love the melody and the hooks. And then I do want to make something more let or more subtle about it. Um, but at the same time, it does have a lot of imagery to it that, I mean, and, and, and the cliches are not just, they're not verbatim cliches. So like, right. like the needle that still hangs by a thread, I think, you know, hangs by a thread is a, is a cliche, but I don't think usually needles are associated with that fly that can't escape from a web. I mean, that's kind of a cliche, but it's rewritten. Uh, I don't know. Itinerary. I got that word in there. That's, that's a, <laughs> anytime that's I can get a, uh, the word, you know, a, a big multi-syllabic word, like itinerary right. in there, I, I, <laughs> I pat myself on the back. I, I think the, the hold on man, just take a minute. It's only pain, but I got limits that I rewrote that actually quite a bit right there, right. As I was recording it. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm happier with that. And I like I that really no like one, that. No one to blame. There's no one to blame. I that gets repeated a lot, and I feel like that's something a lot of people can relate to. You know, absolutely. Yeah. So, I I just kind of feel like I I kind of feel like it's a mediocre. I mean, it's a mediocre song with some cool stuff to it, and I don't know that I consider it to be worthy of revision. I sure. the only the only thing. So it'd be like something that I might play. This is one that I would take to shows. I would play it. I would see if people liked it. Right. And maybe they do, maybe they don't. And and I, I think the one thing, okay, I I do kind of cop out. I don't have, I, I do the whistle bridge. Well, there's a bridge. There's a word bridge. And then I do the whistle in place of a verse, a final verse. Right. So the question there is, should I actually write the verse? And I... Again, do I like the song enough to do that? I don't know, but I think the, um, but I think the whistle is okay. I, but I, you, I could see adding a little extra something there. So that's if I were to 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 revise this, I might, I might do that. I might add another verse on there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You know what? It also reminds me of, and and I'm not saying this necessarily about this song, but maybe you feel this way. Um, you have those bands that you love and you, you get every single and track down every B side. Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. And, and sometimes there's those songs that like are B sides that you just love. But even as a mm-hmm. fan, you can kind of be like, I get why this didn't make the yeah. album, but in some ways that makes it almost like kind of cooler. <laughs> that's, that's a great, yeah, this is, this is yeah. totally like a, this is like a, a um, odds and ends kind of song. And I think, yeah, it's, it's catchy. And it's got something, there's something to it, I think, but you're right. It's not something that you would show. It's not, it's not such a great song that you would showcase it on an album. You wouldn't release it as a single, but as a B-side, yes, absolutely. I could totally see this as being like a B-side type of thing. Maybe I put not it on even... my album, though. Huh? I'm sorry? <laughs> I put it on my album. Would you put it on your album? Yeah, oh, I like well. it. I like I'd, it. I'd, you know, I'd love to hear you sing this one, actually. This would be kind of, I'd love to hear the banjo play on this. That's right. So. Um, <laughs> Well, cool. Well, well, cool. Well, thanks for indulging me and listening to my song Absolutely. here. And, and, uh, and also just 
thanks for thanks for coming in and talking with me, man. I, this yeah. is this was great. I, I, I love delving into to, to your brain because I really I don't know. I don't. I love your aesthetic Thank as you. as an artist. I really love what you're doing, and I have a my brain just doesn't go to that. I've, I I I wish it went to that direction a little bit more because I like that kind of post punk, you know, folk kind of stuff. Um, and I like the, the underground music that you reference and, and, and I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm excited about this new album and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited to see where you go from here with your, your new band and, and, yeah. uh, and, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on and talking a little bit in depth about your, uh, your song. It's been a blast. Yeah. yeah. No, I super enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, well, before we take off though, let's, yeah. uh, I want to give you a chance to, uh, plug and promote, oh. <laughs> uh, whatever you want to plug and promote. Totally. You know, I think the the big the big thing of the moment is the new band. We're called Distance Walk. Um, and uh, if you search for us on streaming services, uh, hopefully we come up um, <laughs> right away. Uh, our website is distancewalk.com. Um, I was surprised that like, you know, like an orthopedic shoe company hadn't already claimed that URL, but um, <laughs> but they hadn't. So, um, so distancewalk.com is where you can find um, find everything about us. We're a very new band. Um, you can also just Google Barry Osborne and Banjo and stuff about me comes up and things about Distance Walk are coming up. And then, you know, plug wise, I, I would just say just a uh, big shout out to so many of my my music friends. Um, Antonio Lopez just put out an amazing record that I'm listening to constantly. Um, He's he was our guest last week. We oh, were just, OK, fantastic. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> um, so there you go. There's some synergy. And then um, uh, down in Denver, my friends, uh, Felix Fast Forward, he just put out a great record. My friend uh, Becky, who plays as Bell Haas, she's doing really cool indie rock stuff. Um, and then my my friends and, and bandmates uh, in the Dollhouse Thieves, um, they're a wonderful band. So you know, too, too many great musicians that I'm fortunate enough to call friends to mention, but uh, th- those are some folks who um, I'm spinning quite a bit right now. Well, you're in that, uh, the Denver Music Hub, and you just get to see yeah. a little bit of everybody from around the state, and, and there's yeah, a lot of a lot of great music going on in uh, the, along the Front Range. So. Totally. <laughs> Well, all right, that's the that's the show this week. Uh, next week, I'm going to have on Matt Tedder. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, please consider donating to the program via Venmo at Dave Coyle or paypal.me slash Dave Coyle. In the meantime, keep your songwriting raw and riveting. Hold on, man, just take a minute. It's only pain, but I got limits all the same. There's no one to blame There's no one to blame There's no one to blame There's no one to blame